special edition here of the morning grind podcast i am dan bach i'm not stevie tp tpfl no he uh, handles the day-to-day stuff when we come to uh, uh give me the picks that you're looking for the insight for the day slate i'm here uh when we talk taxes because uh well these people at dfs county services uh not only do we do this annually they handle my taxes when it comes to DFS and and even beyond DFS. So uh, their service we've aligned with for multiple years, and there's a lot of new people coming into the industry, and maybe some things have changed a little bit in terms of how uh, DFS uh, needs to be reported on your taxes. And the guys over at DFS Accounting Services, I'll tell you what, uh, they do a great job. We're going to talk to them a little bit. And joining us now, Mike Fierstein, who uh, I have spent a lot of time with over the last couple of years on my own taxes. And, uh, you know, we've had this conversation, Mike, you know, multiple times over. uh, And a lot of times it's repetitive, you know, same things we talked about in 2018. We talked about again in 2019 and then in 2020. Well, here we are in 2021. And uh, it's been a crazy year. We know that a lot of things have changed and we're going to touch up on, on how it could maybe have affected uh, how people report their DFS taxes. And um, let's get into the nuts and bolts of what happened this year in regards to DFS and the IRS, because there might be some changes either on the way or uh, some interpretations given that might change how we look at uh, reporting our winnings with DFS. So uh, what happened this past year with it? Well, Dan, first and foremost, thanks again for having me on. Uh, it's a lot has changed since we last talked last year, so I hope everything's okay with you and your family. But, um, yeah, you know, a lot has changed uh, in the last couple months uh, regarding DFS and certain um, recommendations or positions that the IRS has taken. Uh, first and foremost, this past this past winter, uh, there was a private letter room that was uh, sent out by the IRS, and it's basically a private letter room. It's sort of a recommendation and a position that the IRS uh, picks out, and, and specifically for DFS, and that is that they are, the IRS now is leaning more towards their stance of, of, of gambling income and uh, how to record it, and uh, that's going to be uh, what's going to be new and it's going to change the way you report because previously we kind of looked at DFS for most people as like a, a for-profit hobby um, where um, you'd get a 1099 miscellaneous and in most gambling sectors you get a 1099 G which the G stands I'm assuming for for gambling yeah. winnings mm-hmm. and um, so I guess the, the next question is you know this was a, a private letter you know, ruling by the IRS. Uh, and we talked a little bit before the show where from a DFS company's perspective, a FanDuel or a DraftKings, they'd rather not this be, have this not looked at as gambling. So, you know, they're probably going to push back a little bit on this front. Um, are we suspecting, are we expecting customers to get a 1099 miscellaneous instead of a 1099 G? for their DFS winning still like they have in years past, yeah. or do we think this is, is going to change? Right, right. So right now for 2020, 
people playing DFS, they're going to get the 1099 miscellaneous. Customers are going to get the 1099 miscellaneous. That has not changed. Uh, but it's the way that you are going to report that income on your cash return that it is. So right now, there are two, I guess, you call battles being waged, right? The operator, such as DraftKings and FanDuel, yes, want to say, hey, DFS is still a game of skill and not luck because there are certain taxes that, that will affect them should it be a game of, uh, should it be gambling wins. Uh, but for the taxpayer, this private letter rule for the IRS came out and states that while the operators say that it's a game of uh, skill, we're saying that it's a more of a wager and that we're be, we are going to be placing the DFS income uh, along with gambling and that you will have to utilize the gambling rules to report uh, your DFS wins, which is completely different than what we've talked about in the past, right? DFS income, what we've done in the past is identify whether it's a, a hobby or if you're full-time as a professional. Then if you're a professional, you're able to reduce your winnings uh, by your losses and in addition to your uh, business-related expenses. Whereas here, if DFS income is now considered gambling, you are now able to offset, if you are part-time, offset your DFS winnings with your DFS losses and for your uh, gambling losses. So, those losses on your schedule. so this, is, this is kind of interesting here, too, because... Um, in years prior, it, it seems like the, it might have been more favorable for you as a uh, as an average player, um, or less favorable for you as as an average player, somebody who has a full time job who dabbles in DFS, but might have had a good a good, good day, ends up getting their their ten ninety nine. It's kind of looked at as a hobby, but you could never deduct losses when it was when it was in that that. Uh, bucket where now what you're telling me is um it doesn't matter if you're an average person or a professional per se and we can get into that here in a minute but let's say you're you're nine to five guy who plays dfs they hit a twenty thousand dollar win on DraftKings. um their 1099 at the end of the year was say for like seventeen thousand dollars uh now previously they couldn't necessarily deduct their losses on FanDuel. Let's say they lost 10 k on FanDuel. They weren't always necessarily able to count that against that 17000 in the former version, correct? As somebody who's a 9-to-5 guy, not a DFS pro. Right, correct. The, the, you know, the rules and in the past were more vague, and the approach of the IRS was – up their interpretation. So in the past, the way we interpret it is yes, correct. That if you're playing DFS and you're part time, you consider it a hobby. And due to uh, the hobby rules, those losses you were not able to deduct either cash return. So you would have to report the full seventeen thousand dollars. But now we could say, okay, I got seventeen k on DraftKings, um, but I spent ten k on FanDuel. So then your your new amount you'd be taxed on would be that $7,000 instead of the seven, uh, 17. And I think this is interesting because I'm assuming since, you know, you're saying you're following this guideline 
that DFS is considered gambling, you should be able to use losses and other forms of gambling against your wins, correct? So uh, whether it's horse racing or, um, I mean, I don't know how deep it gets. I mean, you get to be like, does lottery tickets fall into this thing? Like how, uh, because, you know, it doesn't, you might say it's like nickel and diming it, but, you know, this can be a significant amount in, um, in, in revenue here in terms of losses that you can offset from, from other forms of gambling. Uh, how does that work and, and how much documentation do you need on this? Because I know we've had this conversation before, you know, maybe I, I, I hit a $20,000 parlay, but I lost like 5k playing slots in Vegas. Um, but I really don't have any way to prove I lost $5,000 in slots playing in Vegas. Cause I, I didn't have a rewards card. Like how, how does that work? How specific do we need to get on these things? Right. Right. So the first part of your, your question is that, yes, I think based on the position that the IRS is taking and putting the DFS into the gambling world, then you, you could utilize any gambling losses, right. From if you were going to play blackjack at the casino, uh, horse race bets, uh, sports betting, you name uh, And the way you would report that is uh, the standard gross amount, right? So your gross winnings uh, that, that occurred in the session, we can get into the sessions later because that's a whole other conversation. But um, basically, if you were to get a 1099 for $17,000, you would put that as uh, other income uh, if you were part-time. And then if you had any, any gambling losses, whether it's sports betting or whether it was a DFS loss in another operator, you would put it on your Schedule C, you would put it on your Schedule C as uh, other itemized deductions. Okay, so there's that gross support. That's how it would be reported. Now, the documentation to prove that, people, um, one of the things, the benefits of playing on these operating sites like DraftKings and FanDuel is that they will provide an annual uh, Data download historical, you know, gains, wins, loss, uh, sure. cell file that you could have, and it's time stamped and everything that shows the game that you play. So, for those specific activities, I suggest everyone um, just whether it's for taxes or your own, you know, personal uh, information to see how you did in the year um, and uh, to download that or request that and keep it for your records. Um, now, for the more you know, going to Vegas or going to your local casino, um, I would suggest keeping receipt of, uh, of uh, withdrawals, right? Cash withdrawals and or uh, credit card charges as well to show that, hey, I went, to, I went on this date um, and this is the amount of money that I, I, I placed or that I wagered. In addition, um, just keep a record, keep a calendar. Really, I mean, if you're going to find yourself gambling throughout the year, if that's something you like to do, you really should keep a record, whether you know, it's an actual record or an Excel spreadsheet. I know that I did uh, with my sports betting when it wasn't uh, legal in Illinois, right? You, uh, you can find some other means to, uh, to sports betting. I, I kept an Excel spreadsheet, a weekly Excel spreadsheet, and I did some losses. Interesting. So, um, so this is a pretty big change. It's a pretty big movement, and it sounds like it's going to be more beneficial to most users. But here's the, here's the other thing that I wonder about. And I also wonder like what are other tax preparers going to do and, and what is the IRS going to do? 
is if you suddenly get a 1099 miscellaneous from DraftKings and you report it as gambling, isn't that going to be a flag for the IRS when they're like, hey, you know, gambling falls in on the 1099G and we didn't get it. There's no 1099G that goes along with this. Um, What what do you suspect – is going to happen on that front. Cause I feel like that's like a major flag right there to be saying something is this category when the form they gave you doesn't match up with that interpretation. Right, right, right. And in that, that is a good question. We don't believe that it would be a red flag because there are multiple forms that one can receive. Um, so okay. it's, it's, it's basically how you take a look at the interpretation of the rules, right. And what the IRS is, is telling you how to do report that income. I mean, one of the things too, that we've actually been um, receiving questions are 1099Ks, right? There are 1099Ks that people are receiving because they utilize PayPal to transact uh, with DraftKings and Fandle. Um, and because they hit those requirements uh, to, to have a form be sent out, that is, that is the form that the IRS is going to receive. And you're going to have to report uh, that income on your tax return. Ultimately, the IRS says, hey, you have to report your, your, your gross income, your worldwide income, no matter what, no matter if a form is being submitted to us or, or not. And you have, to, you have to report it based on the standards and the recommendations you know, that, 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 we, that we provide. Um, and while the 1099 miscellaneous may not be a W2G, the IRS is still saying because of this private letter room that, hey, our recommendation is even though it's 1099 miscellaneous, you still should, we're suggesting that you report it a certain way. And that is now more favorable to gambling. All right. And so, excuse my 1099G, it is W2G. Yeah. I'm, I'm still, yeah, a, yeah, I'm totally. still a, a, a non-CPA uh, here. So just, just deal with me. Um, well, okay. Well, here's another one. Let's say you're somebody who's had success and in the past, you know, you look at DFS as a business and you've declared it as a business. Um, what do you do now <laughs> with this, right. with this rule change? Like uh, how right. is that going to change in terms of uh, how you do your taxes compared to what you were doing before? Right. Right. No, definitely. And you know, one of the caveats that is to is, is that you know, DFS and, and DFS and gambling are still, we believe you know, identifies two different activities. Right? So there could be a player or a taxpayer that focuses heavily on DFS and they're, they're professional, they're, they're playing every day, they're, they're playing on multiple sports, um, but may gamble into, uh, into, into sports betting uh, and, and gambling, right? Um, one of the things that we suggest to them is to still consider that a different activity. Um, okay. that, because you've established yourself as a professional. You know, we want to make sure that we don't um, blur the lines between a hobby and professional full-time. Um, so we would still uh, suggest that you, you consider yourself uh, full-time, put on the Schedule C or if you created a company to record that specific DFS play at home and to separate your gambling limits only because Maybe in the gambling side and the sports betting side, you're doing it part time and you're doing it for fun. Um, and you're mainly focused on the DFS. But one of the things that we are going to suggest and look at is that prior 
um, if you were a professional. Um, we would deduct, say for instance it was a bad year, and we would deduct uh, your DFS losses from other sites, um, entry fees, above and beyond the fees that would be reporting a loss position tax return. Well, one of the differences between um, you know, hobby income and gambling is that gambling, even if you are a professional player, even if you are a gambling professional, you cannot deduct your losses above and beyond the needs. It has to be zeroed out. So while we'll, we still suggest to separate DFS, we also suggest that you report your losses up until your, your losses and expenses up until your needs and just have a net zero um, Gotcha. So therefore, there's no more reporting of losses, which, um, which was viable when you consider, you know, all the different expenses you can bring in. Some people use their house, their internet, right. and then you talk about losses. Like again, maybe you won 50k on DraftKings, um, uh, but you lost 100k on FanDuel. You know, and and you, mm-hmm. you looked at it and said it was a bad year. I was down 50k. Um, right. And previously, you could record those losses. Now you're saying you can't do it. It's got to be zero at the most. And, and, and that applies to either form, whether you're a professional or somebody who does it casually, which is obviously a really, really big change from years past. Um, well, so we kind of covered gambling um, in this conversation, like you said, because you know it also stems into you know, what, what maybe DFS is going to be categorized here um, from, from your guys' perspective. Uh, but I want to get into a few other ventures here because we've got a, a wide-ranging audience and you guys do a lot of different things at DFS Accounting Services. And, you know, one thing we've seen just here in the last, I don't know, month or so is just the cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, just going absolutely through the roof. And there's a lot of people who, um, who own it. And, uh, you know, I'm very curious about how this works. I'm not big into crypto myself. I don't have a giant portfolio of it, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering just the, the, the quick kind of nuts and bolts of, uh, of how you deal with it. Is it, is it done on like a, a, an investment? You pay capital gains? Is it based on, you know, right. if you turned a profit from when you bought the Bitcoin versus when you sell it? I, I, I don't know how that works at all. Give me a quick rundown of it. And, uh, and again, I know you guys can go into in-depth for people who, you know, do, you know, get into this world and, and it's becoming more and more popular. And, uh, and I'm kind of curious how you deal with it and how the IRS expects you to deal with it. Right. No, definitely. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. And I myself have, uh, you know, some uh, cryptocurrency as well. So it's been a good year, but to get to your point is it depends on the underlying transaction, right? Um, Right now, cryptocurrency is, is equal to that um, own capital, own stock, mutual funds, etc. Right? So, if you were to purchase a uh, Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency uh, and you hold on to it, right, you have it, and um, you haven't sold it, there is no there is no taxable event. Okay, it is when you sell that specific uh, coin um, it becomes taxable, and then you take a look at the, the stock and mutual fund rules. So if it's short term, if it's within a year, it can be taxed at your ordinary income. Okay. If it's held uh, more than a year, it's going to be taxed at long-term capital gains rates, which are more favorable to left. Um, though there are certain exceptions. If you have received cryptocurrency or uh, um, 
something that you sold, goods that you sold, or services that you provided to someone. So if you pay in fiat or US dollars, you receive Bitcoin, you have to report that coin you received it at its fair market value on the date that you received it. Okay. Um, to make things a little bit more complicated, if you provide a service and you receive uh, one Bitcoin per se, that's going to be considered as ordinary income. But on top of that, if you hold that Bitcoin, it's also going to serve as your cost basis for any future um, sales. So that kind of is a little different whereas when you first receive it, ordinary income, and then if you hold it for a year and Bitcoin still goes up and you sell it, that increase, that gain is going to be taxed as margin. Is there any forms for this in the sense of like, I know Coinbase is popular. Like, do they right. send you an accounting of this that they also send to the IRS or is this all done via like your own personal responsibility to, uh, to report your gains on, on stuff that's sold via uh, cryptocurrency? Yeah, no, that's a, no, that's a great question. Giannis, no. I mean, the only documentation that gets sent to the IRS is what's called the 1099K. And that only shows half the equation. Um, and unfortunately, there is no gain loss report that is, that is sent to the IRS. Now they do create you know, an unrealized uh, gain of loss or realized gain of loss report that you can uh, as a taxpayer download. Um, but again, it's on, it's, it's on the taxpayer to report that on their, their tax return, much with gambling companies, right? And, and, and with DFS as well. It's, it is on the taxpayer, not the onus on the taxpayer to report um, your, crypto, your crypto sales. Well, uh, it's, you know, the, the world of doing taxes, it should be easy. I remember the days where they're like, oh, we want it set up so you can do your taxes on a postcard. And then I thought to myself, I know too many good CPAs out there who that would not be good for. So uh, we don't live in that world. I can tell you just by my own personal experience and looking at my return a year ago, uh, I could never have done it without these guys. So uh, again, the cool thing about them as well they're located in Illinois, but especially in today's world where everything is done, you know, electronically via Zoom or uh, phone calls, you can do the consultation and you don't need to be in the state that they're in. I'm in Florida, they're in Illinois, and, uh, and they've done just an amazing job, you know, helping me through my tax situations uh, over the last couple of years. So uh, I hope you check them out. They're DFS accounting services. Again, uh, DFS, uh, sports betting, crypto uh, and really just anything. I mean, I had, there, there's a lot of different, uh, aspects to your life and they deal in it, you know, in, in all of it. So, uh, certainly hope you guys check them out and Mike always appreciate it, man. Uh, was a different conversation this year. So I'll be curious to yeah. see what 2022 looks like, but, uh, any final things, uh, for the people here? Well, definitely. Thanks, yeah, thanks a lot for everyone. Yes. You know, every year there goes something new. Um, and we're just trying to take a look at the information that's available to us and make the best position for our clients. Um, if you guys have any questions, be sure to reach out to us at info at EFS.com. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon.
Yeah, and they usually have a, a thread on the uh, Roto-Grinders forum and, uh, and write an article or two as well. So uh, keep the eye out uh, for them there or just, you know, maybe just get their services and that's probably the best solution in my opinion. So check them out, DFS Accounting Services. Uh, I'm Dan Bach. Thanks again to Mike for joining me. And Stevie will be back again tomorrow with another normal edition here of The Morning Grind. Until then, have yourself a great day. We'll see you, everybody.